Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. With all the horror and despair behind the cell doors, there is no surprise these places can become a hubbub of paranormal activity. But does the activity here have a more sinister nature? Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week we'll be looking inside the most haunted prisons around. Prisons are made to house and break the spirits of some of the most dangerous people around, and with the amount of trauma and terror that takes place inside, it's no wonder that this energy, and sometimes prisoners themselves, seem to stay around even after death. One of the most famous prisons, both from its closure and when it was in use, is Alcatraz in San Francisco. In 1933, the US government decided to open this maximum security and minimum privilege prison to deal with some of the worst criminals of all time. Inmates who broke any of the many prison rules would be punished and sent to the strip cell. Here, prisoners were stripped naked in a cell with no mattress, sink or lights, with the only feature being a hole in the ground for a toilet. Cell 14D is one of these cells that prisoners were punished in, and visitors often feel a raw coldness enveloping the room, like a group of spirits are present. In the 1940s, a man actually died in this cell, and guards found him strangled on the floor of the room. Rumour has it that the night before his death, he kept screaming that a creature with glowing eyes was trying to kill him. Could there be something sinister hiding in this cell? Other phenomena reported his crying and moaning in the cell blocks and strangely enough, the banjo music of Al Capone, who spent his last years in Alcatraz strumming along with the prison's band in the shower block. That's something I would love to experience. Staying in America, I had the wonderful opportunity to investigate the Eastern State Penitentiary. This imposing and frightening location sits in the city of Philadelphia and we were asked to broadcast a live seven-hour show from the prison for the Discovery Channel. As you can imagine, I was a bundle of nerves, not just because of the ghosts that were said to haunt this massive structure, but because we were about to go live across the whole of the USA and for seven hours. This place has held some horrendous prisoners over the years and some famous ones too. The prison was once the most famous and most expensive in the world. It was constructed in 1821 and opened its doors in 1829 and closed them in 1971. It was designed in the Gothic architectural style, which adds to its imposing and rather haunting reputation and house and pretty scary characters. Alphonse Scarface, Capone, yes, he was here as well. Victor Babe, Andrioli, Frida Frost and William Francis, a.k.a. Slick Willie. This place was enormous, never-ending, long corridors with prison cells lining the walls on either side of you. One of the things we do before we go live is to walk the technical team around the main haunted areas and the possible routes that we may take. Of course, this is never set in stone as we never know what's going to happen. The head of sound for the Discovery Channel was very intrigued in the knocking and tapping phenomena as it was beginning to sound out in the various rooms and cells that we visited. 
There was one room with a cupboard on one wall. It was big enough for someone to stand in. And the head sound man laughed and said, OK, guys, I figured out how you're doing this knocking noise. And that was a bad American accent, I know. He went over to the cupboard and he must have been expecting someone to jump out and shout, surprise! But to his disappointment, there was no one there. He then proceeded to get some of his crew to lift, can you believe this, some of the floorboards up, thinking that the most haunted team had placed some kind of mechanical knocking robot underneath. But to their frustration, again, nothing was there. Soon, the whole American team, and there were a lot of us, were following Carl, myself and the rest of the crew into various rooms, trying to figure out where these strange noises were coming from. It wasn't until various American crew members, including the head sound guy, admitted to feeling the pulsing sensation under their feet that they concluded that we weren't faking it and that it was real. Then they really began to enjoy themselves and became part of the team. We worked on several live shows with our American friends after that, and it was lovely to know that they really believed us. Usually, I want to get my bearings and understand where certain rooms are. So whilst we were broadcasting, uh, I can lead my team to various places and cells and corridors without getting lost. I decided to take a researcher with me on this particular occasion. And as we walked down one of these corridors, making a mental note of where we were, suddenly something came flying out of one of the cells and skidded across the dirt floor. It was light outside, but in the prison, in most areas, you needed a torch. Well, as you can imagine, we were absolutely petrified, me and this researcher. We hunted around and, to our surprise, found a small piece of white soap. I do remember that we both saw a white blob flying through the air, so we suspected that this piece of soap was the item that had been lobbed at us. It also looked new as well, which was weird, as if a piece of soap had come from a cell. It would have been dirty and full of cobwebs and dust. Was someone hiding? We checked all the cells, but no one was there. And we were a long way from the base room and all the rest of the American crew. Realising we'd been given a gift from a ghost, maybe they wanted me to clean up or thought I was a bit dirty. Maybe potty mouths, that's as far as I will go. I did shout, thank you, and we both ran as quickly as we could back to the base rooms. Throughout the long night, we had various objects thrown at us. I remember being in a really frightening part. I think it was like a hospital part. And there was an old surgical bed there with the lights over above the bed. Uh, it was a really creepy, creepy place. And in that particular part of the prison, we had so much poltergeist activity, things thrown at us. I remember nuts and bolts and, oh, pliers, that was it. Pliers and screwdrivers, they were thrown. And more soap, weirdly enough, and lots of stones. We did a table tipping experiment in Al Capone's cell. And to show everyone watching at home, you know, when the table was shaking, um, because a lot of the time when we're on television, especially night vision, you can't see the vibration of the table. And I sort of describe it like um, if you were to put your hand on top of a, a washing machine on spin, that's what the table feels like. But of course, when you're watching at home, you can't see this. So I said, why don't we get a barrel of water or a bowl of water and sit it on top of the table. And so we can see the ripples of the water. Uh, and so everybody can see that the table is actually shaking. So we did this and I began to ask out if Mr. Capone was with us and directed the spirit to shake the table as a sign of yes. Well, when the table shook violently, as you can imagine, I was beside myself with excitement as I love it when an energy comes through, especially if they're famous. Apparently, according to Mr Capone, he wasn't sorry for the things that he'd done in his life. He was very happy where he was and that he didn't like us at all. He didn't want us there and wanted to harm us. He also said that he was incredibly angry. It was a memorable moment for us all. It will always be one of those moments that will stay with me forever. Standing in Al Capone's cell, which, by the way, was kitted out with a rug, very nice one as well, framed pictures on the walls, a nice lamp with a shade, lovely wooden table. I think Mr Capone had some perks in the prison that many didn't have because of his notorious connections. And from America, we come back to good old Blighty and one of its most frightening prisons. 
There are many prisons around the UK and some, me and the Most Haunted team, have had the pleasure of investigating. One such place is Gloucester Prison and what a creepy place that is. We were filming an episode for Most Haunted and as we had had some truly terrifying experiences in other prisons around the country, we were all expecting it to be another bumpy night. And my God, we were not wrong. First of all, um, Glenn and myself tried to do a Ouija board session in one of the cells. I think it was on an upper floor. Uh, and it was in the cell where a lot of the inmates waited before they were sent out to be hanged and you know executed. It had a terrible feeling. And every time we started to put our fingers on the glass, uh, a snooker ball came flying through, um, through uh, on the bottom floor, flying through, hitting the other cells, hitting the doors. It was a terrifying sound. And of course, Glenn and I stopped what we were doing, ran down the stairs, tried to find what had made the noise. Of course, we, then we found the snooker ball. There was nobody else around. Everybody else was accounted for. So we tried again. I mean, I was petrified at this point because I didn't want to get hurt. When people go, oh, you're always so scared. It's because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get hit in the head with a snooker ball. Thank you very much. I don't want to be in hospital on a ventilator. So anyway, so we go back upstairs, try again, put our fingers on the glass, same thing happens. So we run downstairs, we find another snooker ball. By this point, the other team members had come back. We explain what had happened. We set up some locked off cameras and we caught it. We actually caught a snooker ball flying through the air. And it was only when we went back up into that hangman's room, as I call it the hangman's room. It's not really, it's a, it's the room where you waited to go to your death. Terrible room. Uh, and it was only when we were in there did something happen? That was the beginning of it. There is a hospital wing in the prison grounds. And my God, if you've ever get the chance to investigate this place, you need to go to this part, particularly this part of the prison. I, in my wisdom, decided to go it alone in this particular part of the prison. Or just between me and you, I said to Carl, if I go alone, right, then you'll have to buy me a new pair of shoes or a handbag. And he said, okay. So, that's what I did. So there I am outside of the hospital wing on my own with a night vision camera. I open the outer door. You then go through a small hallway, uh, a vestibule route really. And then you have to open another door up a couple of steps and you're inside the hospital wing. Now I didn't get more than a couple of steps inside as I heard water water uh, splashing all over the floor like someone had turned a tap on and it was gushing everywhere. I stopped dead in my tracks and then I heard a noise. I will never forget it. It was the sound of something being dragged, like plastic sheeting crinkling and then being pulled along the stone floor. Well, that was me. I was out and shaking like a dog having a private moment. Of course, I had to go back in, but I'm not stupid. I went and got Carl. He's the bravest person I know. We stood outside, shivering in the cold night air. I told him exactly what I'd experienced. Right, he said, let's go inside. Even with Carl by my side, I was shaking. We stepped in through the little entrance and up the two steps. Then Carl pushed the door open. We stood in the same place where I had originally stood. And blow me, there it was again, that awful dragging noise. Carl nodded to me that he'd heard it and told me that we had to go in and investigate. Well, of course, that's the right thing to do, but I was convinced that what we were hearing was a human dragging something across the floor. Maybe a homeless person had somehow broken into the prison uh, and, and killed someone and was wrapping their body up in dragging it along the floor. Gosh, my imagination is ridiculous. I followed Carl very closely. In fact, I was attached to his back. I followed him around the rooms in the hospital, and to our surprise found no one there at all. There wasn't anything, no plastic or tarp that could have made that disturbing sound. After a good 20 minutes, I had had enough and told Carl it was time to go. Carl, in his wisdom, decided to go back to the hospital wing on his own much later. And boy, did he get a fright. Now, you can actually listen to the clips of the first time that I enter on my own to the second time with Carl and then the final time with Carl on his own. Enjoy. Okay. Well, I'm here on my own. 
and I'm going inside there. I'm not at all happy about this. One bit. Right, here we go. Oh, Jesus. Right. I don't have a clue what the hell is inside here. Oh my God, I can hear voices. I think they're on the street. Did you hear the, the door banging inside? Shaking. Oh, fuck's sake. Do you know what? This is taking years off my goddamn life, this is. And I can't see anything. Oh. What the hell is in here? Hello? I can't see. I actually cannot see a thing. I'm going to have to take my torch out. Right, so these are some sinks of some kind. I heard a door banging before I even came in. I don't even know what's in here. So this would have been the hospital wing. What the hell? What the fuck? Oh my God. I'm too, I'm gonna put this, I'm gonna put this behind here because I am so frightened of getting trapped. Come on, stay there, stay there. Right. Okay. Hello? Is there anybody here? I can hear water dripping. I'm frightened to go too far forward because I can't rem No way. I'm sorry, I ain't going any further. I'm going back. No way. I just heard dragon. That's not happening. I am not going in there. Now I'm lost. I'm not going. We can get stuffed. Sorry. No way. I will take somebody else back in there, but I am not going there on my own. You must be joking. I know that I'm the only person in this medical hospital wing and I have just heard, you will hear it on camera, dragging noise. I'm frightened to go too far forward because I can't rem I'm frightened to go too far forward because I can't rem Now I've just finished with Fred and Stuart and I've been dragged over here to the hospital wing. Right, a door has gone on its own and I heard dragging noise. I'm sorry, there's no way I'm going in on my own because my face will get eaten or my arse will get ripped off. Ain't happening. So come on, let's go. I'm, I'm brave when I'm with somebody else, but when I'm on my own, I just can't do it. The shit hits the fan. To go see arses? In prison, yes. <laughs> I'm the, nervous. The, the, the smile will be wiped off your face. This is, this is the place. Remember when I did the extra with Stuart? Yeah. This is the place that dropped me off my feet. Right, so where did you hear a bang? Here, through here. Say, I'm okay with you. Christ, I feel like Oliver and Hardy, you know. It's always That drip makes it worse, listen. Why don't we go upstairs? There's an upstairs? Yeah, through there, as I recall. Oh, this. The door's going back. That was me probably walking through it, Donnie. That was the original entrance, as I recall, to this place. From that way, I'm assuming. So, oh, yeah, yeah. this is where people would have come through. Okay. Mm. 
Hello? something move. What the f- I'm back on my own in this place. Now, one of the things that always makes these things so real is, probably can't see it on the infrared, but on here, there's lots of people, people have put their dates of when they were in here. And some of it go back to the 1800s. I mean, some are more modern. You've got 2013 there, but some of them go back. These, but these are real people. It's real life um, that were in these in this prison. Right now, this is the medical room. Yeah. Unit. Being on your own in here is so different than being with someone else. Definitely someone upset. Hello? I definitely heard some people say. Sounds. Hello? Fuck me. That was here. I've just heard a door slam like this. It's metal. I don't know. There's a whistle down there. Saying that now, actually. Okay, right. Right, right, okay. Comes a huge bang, and I want to go. I so want to go. But you lot will give me hell if I don't go down there. Hello, I'm coming. Whoever you are, stay there. Talk to me. I said there's definitely something here but it's doing it on its own terms. Doesn't give a crap if I'm asking to do it or not. I'm not kidding you, I know you probably can't hear this obviously as well as I can because I'm here but that noise is coming from the hole, not the door, the hole where the door is. 
supposed to marry. Crap, that's somebody coughing. Do you need help? Definitely heard coughing, that's the first really great sound like that I've ever had. I want to let you know about an amazing new offer just for you. We're launching a new weekly bonus series, Yvette Investigates. Each week, we'll be releasing a new episode as part of an investigation into a paranormal event or phenomena with leading experts and historians. For just 99 pence a week, you get this exclusive bonus episode delivered into your podcast feed, as well as getting our main episode ad-free and a day earlier than everybody else. There's three different tiers you can subscribe to. Head to paranormalpod.co.uk now to find out how to subscribe and become one of our podcast paranormal investigators. As a special thanks, we'll even give the first 50 paranormal investigators a shout out and a big thank you on the podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week's story is from Sam, who had a strange experience as a teenager in a Welsh cottage. So every year we would take trips as a family and spend time staying in various cottages in Wales. On this particular occasion, we stayed in one near Haverford West. I must have been 14 and my sister was around six. So the door to my bedroom was located at the foot of the bed and you could see down the hallway and into my mum's bedroom at the end. One evening, my sister came into my room and said, can I have a cuddle before bed? I gave her a cuddle and after letting go, she stood back and just stared at me. Her face was cast in shadow. I wanted to sleep now, so I looked beyond her and called out, Mum, she's still in here and I'm trying to sleep. As I looked into my mum's bedroom, I saw my sister sound asleep in her bed. 
She hasn't moved, my mum said, laying next to her. I looked back, and whatever was in my room had now disappeared. Oh my God, Sam, I can hear everyone listening saying, I've gone cold. That sends shivers up my spine. How extraordinary and scary at the same time. The house you stayed in must have been haunted, probably by the little girl. And who knows, maybe more. I always believe that ghostly children are attracted by like-minded people. So a little lad like yourself would have definitely been a draw for this little ghost. I had something similar happen to me when Mary was about five years old. It was early in the morning. Mary and uh, Carl's mum, Mary's grandma, were downstairs and they they were always up early and they were watching cartoons in the lounge on the telly. And Carl and I were having a lie-in because I think we'd been filming the night before. And I was woken up by what I thought was Mary standing by the side of um, my bed. And I didn't see her face. It was her outline. But I do remember, I thought it was odd because she was wearing a dress and had a Scottish sash across her dress. I remember thinking, oh, um, Mary's grandma must have bought her a new dress and she's trying it on. And then Mary started shoving flowers up my nose and I, I, I felt this tickling sensation and I, I looked down and it looked like lavender or heather or something. And I said, oh, Mary, Mary, not now, sweetheart. Go back down and sit with Nanny. And Carl sat up and said, Mary, love, we're trying to sleep. You go back down with Nanny now. You go and sit with Nanny. And then we both went, oh, rolled over and went back to sleep. It was only when... We came downstairs and I said to Mary and Nanny, oh, where's that lovely dress you had on? And Nanny said, Mary's not changed. She's, she does, doesn't have a dress. I haven't put her in a dress. And that's when I explained what had happened. And Anne, Carl's mum, said, absolutely not. We have got up, got dressed together and we came down here. We've had our breakfast while watching the telly. We've not moved. And that to me made me go really, really shivery and I was a bit creeped out for a bit but you know that uh, Sam reminded me very much of your spooky story and I'm thinking that like us because you didn't see a face therefore I believe it was definitely a ghost from that house if you had seen a face and it looked like your sister then that could have been a little sinister sometimes entities can change their appearance to either make someone feel more relaxed or just to play tricks but I don't think this was the case with you Thank you so much, Sam, for sharing such a spooky story. And joining me now is Kirsten Honey, who is a paranormal manager. It's the first time I've actually heard of this job description. Uh, She's the paranormal manager of Bodmin Jail. Welcome, Kirsten, to the show. Hello, Yvette. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, So tell us exactly, I mean, I know Bodmin Jail. It's a fabulous place. For anybody who's not been to Bodmin Jail, you need to go. It's in a beautiful part of the world in gorgeous Cornwall. um, And it really is a fantastic location. As soon as you walk in, the hairs on the back of your neck all stand up, don't they? I mean, you must have experienced some amazing things, Kirsten. Oh, my goodness. Across the paranormal spectrum, I believe I've probably experienced almost everything you possibly could at Bogman Jail. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a fascinating building. It's beautiful. The architecture is beautiful. Um, the county, of course, Cornwall, is stunning. Um, the history, the historical content of this building is second to none. Um, and paranormally, wow, it's it's in a class of its own definitely so when does the prison um or the jail rather sorry uh, when does it date back to so it was originally built in 1779 during the georgian period and then progressed through into the victorian period um it actually closed down as a staggered closure so it closed down in 1926 for civilian prisons uh, prisoners and then it closed again in 1929 or by by 1929 for um, our naval prisoners so we actually had three jails on site so we did have a debtors prison so you're kind of right when you say prison um, that shut down shortly after it was opened and then we integrated everybody into uh, civilian status so why do you think I mean, I have I've sort of shared my theory of why prisons are so haunted because they're up there, aren't they, with all the different locations, you know, castles and prisons and hospitals and so on. Why do you think that Bodmin Jail is so haunted? 
Oh my goodness, there's so many reasons. So first of all, the the area that it's sitting on um, it is, you know, you're surrounded by natural energy. Uh, you've got woodlands, you've got streams, you've got little rivers running by it. You've got a building that's made of over 20,000 tons of rock and granite. Granite contains quartz crystal, which we know um, scientifically vibrates um, light and sound frequency very, very well. Um, you have farmlands around you. You've got um, moorland just over from that again and then of course you've got this huge structure that over the years and, and centuries has contained so many different types of people prisoners and then everyday uh, goings on since then but I think the most important thing to remember about um, prisons is that most people don't want to be in prison so right at the start of their journey here it's quite emotional it's a, a very um, a fight or flight response, I suppose. Um, but then you look at Bodmin Joe itself and, and history will show you that people were not just here to be in prison, but also to be hanged as well. So you have that added extra, um, a different type of energy that's rarely kind of spoken about and felt nowadays. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It is all that energy, isn't it? That sort of absolute terror and fear and especially if they were innocent and of course yeah. going back all those hundreds of years as well religion was such a huge part of our lives and you know if you'd sinned oh my god you know when you were to face the hangman's noose where will you end up that was a huge part of it wasn't it yeah, we have prisoners here who were, uh, you know, sentenced very harshly, even though their crimes were heinous and they were devastating crimes to have committed, but they were charged even more uh, on a harsher level, just purely on the basis that maybe they were a single mother which of course goes against your community's religion, uh, religious stance and your whole belief system. So religion in this building was particularly um, right there at the foundation of being a prisoner. You had to go to church every Sunday. You had to confess your sins. You had to apply uh, religion in every aspect of your life. Um, so yeah, it, it has a huge impact on, on people's day-to-day -day life here. So tell us a little bit about perhaps some of the most famous characters that perhaps are still roaming around in Bodmin Jail and and some of your most favourite ghost stories. <laughs> oh, gosh, I have hundreds. Um, I know. So, so people say to me all the time, what, you know, oh, do we have notorious criminals? And I think by today's standards, they're forgotten about. But back in the day, we have some very, very significant um, prisoners. And it was actually down mainly to the change in the, the, the way we looked at crime criminology coming in and the way we dealt with people in our society. So we can start right at the beginning um, with a guy called Philip Randall and he's, he's a 27 year old guy he was committed to Bodmin Jail to be hanged until he was dead just for the crime of burglary now I know it's a very serious offence um, but he committed this act and then was hanged to set an example as a deterrent to the people of Cornwall to make sure that they realised that crime was a very serious punishable uh, thing and we would definitely take it uh, to, the, to the highest level we could so Philip Philip Randall, I think, starts it off, and then we go on through through our times. We have people like Elizabeth Osborne who set fire to wheat because you know she was let down by the guy who was supposed to mentor her all her life and give her a job, and she she was fuming, she was raging when he let her go, and, and she set fire to the corn and the wheat, and she was hanged for that. We have various different levels of reasons why you could be hanged um, and of course we go right up there with murder um, so we have uh, the Lightfoot brothers who are a very interesting story very popular I think with our researchers and people who will come here and go oh, we know about the Lightfoots that was a double execution they were very firmly dealt with on the basis that the gentleman that they murdered at the time was a very well-known businessman and very well respected and liked so that had an impact uh, and then we go on of course then to William Hampton who was the last man ever to be hanged at Bodmin Jail um, his, you know, his anniversary date is coming up in July we have many of them and April funnily enough is the highest 
uh, amount of hangings historically for Bob and Joe. We have 14 this month that we remember. As for ghost stories, oh my goodness me, Yvette. <laughs> You're talking crème de la crème in this building. How we wonderful. have everything from touching. Yeah, we have everything from touching people, uh, grabbing sometimes to uh, visual, so full manifestations, partial manifestations. We have people talking constantly. Audible recordings are right up there in this building. Um, and then, of course, possession. Do we, are we allowed to talk about possession? Yes, Not of course. possession, but possession in, in the way that of submergence of energy, which will create a completely different environment for you. Some people remember it, some people don't. Poltergeist is super high. Um, so we have random objects. Um, so clearly I work mainly at night time um, and you notice these things more at night. I think this is why the concentration and level of activity uh, is high during our nighttime events here. And, you know, things being thrown at you, not at you so much, but across the rooms, that's a very interesting mm. Uh, one just random little objects that and, and when it's just sat standing alone I suppose it's not very impressive but then when you have a concentration of things happening in a very short space of time that's when the questions start coming oh I wonder what's going on mm. uh, I wonder why this is happening here at this particular time of this month this time of year etc we have full manifestations that just wander around the jail so we have people who will physically interact with you they will visually interact with you so that you see them um, and then there are just the random ones that will suddenly appear for short periods of time and then wander off again doing their own thing um, the partial manifestations I think are quite interesting because they will be just random hands that will appear or a face or a pair of legs is the most interesting one just wander through and of course we have all of the replications and memories and shadows echoes from the past by way of warders walking around quite often staff will say that they're um, almost inflicted by people walking behind them they can feel that pressure behind them and it makes them visualize this person particularly which always seems to be a warder um, and we we just have oh my goodness such an array of activity it's crazy but super wonderful and so interesting to be able to be here and analyze all of that and research it all and actually catalog and, and keep a analysis and data of it all is just phenomenal it's, it's, it literally is one of its own that's absolutely fantastic so you you mentioned that you were you're there mostly at night time so has there ever been a case where You've been really genuinely petrified and thought, I have to I have to get out of here. Um, I think because of the way I work and my awareness, I don't think I would ever say that I get scared. But the one thing I can definitely say to you is that you should always expect the unexpected because it definitely can, will and does happen here. And I think there are times when I've walked through them. So say, for instance, I'm just here by myself completely, which I have been on, on I, regularly on a regular basis. Um, there are times when I'll walk back into a space and go, oh, actually, that doesn't feel very pleasant now. I really think I should reconsider coming into this mm. space um, or suddenly I'll be just, you know, packing away or just doing what I'm doing randomly uh, just on, on, on the laptop or writing things up and doing my own things. And I'll get an overbearing sense that I shouldn't be in that space and, and respectfully I will move. There are times when I'm taken by surprise and it actually it's a very unsettling experience and it's one that will literally stop your heart for a second and you have to reevaluate every part of your being um, and every fiber of your being just for that moment in time. I'm not going to say I would never get scared in here as in, oh my goodness, what was that? And you kind of feel like you need to move very quickly. Um, I've never been so terrified yet. And I'm very careful what I say because I am currently sat in the building. <laughs> They're listening. Yeah, they'll definitely push my boundaries. I'm not ever going to say there's a time when I'm 100% safe in this building. There will always be something to push on me and pressure me. It usually falls under the, the realms of the darker energies, the non-human entities, your demonic energy, um, of which we have three main uh, non-human entity energies that will 
fly around this building. They're not so troublesome, but the wand and monarch energy is pretty hard work. Um, and it's something we work on every day in this building to make sure we contain um, the amount of energy it pushes on us all. Uh, but yeah, my staff, oh gosh, they've had some terrifying moments where they've run. Um, and you will find that people will suddenly have an experience and then disappear and not want to talk about it and never come back to work again. Uh, so there's definitely that edge to this building and it can be a very frightening experience i'm pretty used to it but i think if i was coming in never had never ever experienced anything paranormal in my life i walk into this building and get some of the the top you know the highest level stuff that i've experienced here i'd probably be giving you a very different answer and saying this building is super scary and it's terrifying to be in because it actually is <laughs> <laughs> she said laughing tell us you know your most favorite thing that's ever happened to you i have two i have two i have one that is really quite frightening and then i have another one which is really endearing and actually made mm -hmm. me so emotional i burst into tears um, so during lockdown, obviously, we couldn't um, come into the building a lot. Uh, and, and clearly, we were at a point where nobody was really moving. And when I did get the chance to come back in, um, it, it uh, super emotional. Um, I came in onto the middle level of the main admin block, and I just felt this rush um, come towards me. It's a very interesting sensation. It's just like a rush of, of warm air and pressure and it just rushed up towards me and it genuinely honestly felt like there was a few people just hugged me around my waist and it was just it was a moment that just spun me completely and took me off guard um, and it just made me feel like they had missed me being in the building and missed my presence in the building and it was just such a, a warm experience and then on the flip side of that we have some as I, I mentioned some very dark energy and I think for me the most um, prominent one has to be minding my own business and feeling some creature-like energy crawl over the top of my shoulders and just look at me directly in my face. I think that probably has to be the most scariest moment in this building. And it was it was a time that I just thought, Do you know what? I think my whole soul just dropped to the floor a minute. I might have to bend over and pick it up and put it back in. <laughs> it was quite. Um, it, it was. It was dark. Um, the whole room just shut down on me. Uh, the whole density of the room changed. That the feeling of feeling like something is. You're. You're in. You're not in control, and you're in significant harm um, I'm not going to use the word danger but it kind of is right up there you feel like actually if I don't do something at this moment in time something really bad is going to happen to me um, and I think that's probably the worst so I do what I usually do and that's just take a deep breath in and stay there anyway <laughs> oh you are good you're a lot braver than me <laughs> But, I mean, I know what it's like. I mean, I remember very many different occasions when I've been somewhere like, and, and funny, they are always places like castles that have got, you know, an immense history where battles yeah. have been fought on in, in the grounds or there's a dungeon or there's been a torture chamber or, <laughs> or, or yeah. a, a hospital where people have, you know, been very unhappy and died in tragic circumstances. Yeah, mine was in the hospital wing at Bob and Joan. And you just think... And and then I'll get a growl in my ear. But what's great is, is that, it, and it's that feeling that you you describe so brilliantly, is that, oh my God, you know, something's going to happen here if I don't go out. Normally something does happen, but thank God it doesn't happen to me. It happens to other members of the team. That sounds awful, doesn't it? But it's only because <laughs> my other members of the team are going, come on, do something bad yeah, to me. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, what are you like? Yeah, something I'd never, never promote here. <laughs> No, God. But when you, it, it's wonderful to me when you get amazing information through either vocally and it's recorded or it comes through on a Ouija board or, or whatever. You're getting some information through from the, from the yeah. spirits that used to be there. And what I absolutely adore and I get so excited is when that can be verified 100%. with your records. And because you've got such a wonderful array of records there, that's something I, I suppose your paranormal 
you know, investigators, including yourself, will be able to utilize and use so well? So I'll give you a really good example of that, actually, something that was verified um, about three years after I had picked it up. And I got I got so excited. I kind of made the guy jump out of his skin. I was jumping up and down with excitement. I was like, I knew it was so true. I knew it was so true. Like, finally, somebody can give me the evidence, which was amazing. Um, and I, I'm literally like a big kid when it comes to this stuff. Um, but so... I had, uh, when I very first came here, I've been here seven years, almost to the day of that. And I have been here sitting in a wing by myself, um, just with a couple of very energetic spirits and a couple of guys who were really interested in the more positive side of the jail, but actually the more realistic side. So the stuff that isn't made up for everyone to kind of go, ooh, about. So it was a very private thing. And we were sat and I kept getting this feeling in my leg and and I was like oh that feels like I'm getting an injection um and I had three what I would class as I mean we all know what having an injection feels like so it's quite and it's an instant um my brain instantly recalls that this this feels like uh having an injection so after three occasions on my leg I was like do you know what guys I'm definitely getting jabbed in my leg I'm definitely having some kind of needle and then it moved to the top. So this is on my left leg, um, left thigh, out, out of thigh. And then I moved, uh, it moved to my top of my left arm. And after the second one on my arm, I was like, oh, that's really painful. I actually, that's enough. <laughs> that is actually enough now. That really hurts. And nobody could give me the answer. And I couldn't find the answer. And then suddenly this guy who used to work here, he, he appeared and said, oh, Kirsten, just the person I want to see. Um, I've got an interesting fact that you might like. And I said, oh, okay, tell me. And he said, did you know that we actually were one of the first institutionalized buildings to deliver the smallpox vaccine and, uh, in this country? And I just burst <laughs> out. I was just like so excited. And I went, I know, I've had five inoculations against smallpox. And he went, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I said, no, I've had five. I've had these. Kristen, why would you get smallpox vaccine? Where have you been? I went, in the in the civilian wing. That's where I've been. And I had five jets. Oh, it's a long story. I'll tell you. And then I went on to tell him. And he was like, okay, that's too too weird for me. But thank you. That, 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 yeah, I love things like that. And it makes you... It makes you so happy, doesn't it? It makes me happy because there's a lot of people, you know, out of their own belief or, or just out of, you know, peer pressure who will say, oh, it doesn't exist. And actually, mm-hmm. it's not for me to prove. But when I do have things, we, so I, if I, I document every experience and every single thing that I can possibly write down on a piece of paper during my time here. Um, and we document everything. So I can now go back and say, in 2020, this person and experienced this it happened again on multiple occasions and we've now just found the records to state that that did occur so were they crazy were they making it up we didn't know this fact until right now um, and also the most interesting thing for me are the little things that aren't noted on records so records are only as good as the people who kept them back in the day and of course there are going to be some anomalies etc the things that really excite me are information that's super private from family members of the people who are here and they will come forward and share things or ask me what I know and it's that at that point I say okay firstly you need to understand what what my job is here and how I work so some of the stuff I give you may not be noted on on records or stuff that you know and it's always good because I can then either have it clarified by them or then find somebody spiritually uh, who will give me somebody either who's living who they know or somebody else who they don't know who's living to clarify that information for me. And that is just, oh man, it's just amazing. It's phenomenal. Really cool. It's wonderful, isn't it? To 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 be like myself and you who are believers, you know, and I can't help but believe I have so much. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And so that's that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I, I think we're very blessed to have, you know, uh experienced what we've experienced. And yes. I and I know and I'm sure you too, you know, we'll keep going until we can't keep going anymore. And yeah, then we'll I, be on the other side going, yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well I made I 
made a promise to everybody that while I'm here, I'll help them and teach them how to connect to the world that we don't physically, you know, mm. exist in. And I will, I will be here to help you connect to spiritual phenomena. And when I pass away, God help everybody because I'll be there teaching them how to connect to the physical world even more. Well, how, I'm not going to say I can't wait because that's just not right. But anyway... <laughs> I'm sure that won't be for many, many years, Kirsten. Many, many years, we hope. Absolutely, Um, yeah. Kirsten, honey, thank you so very much. If people want to um, come and visit Bodmer Jail, people want to come and see you, is there a website? How do they do that? Do they need to book? Are there paranormal evenings? You you tell everybody what they need to do. So you go on to uh, www.bobmanjail.org. Uh, that will bring you up onto our webpage. Go on to What's On or Paranormal Tours, and that will bring up everything to do with paranormal that we're doing. We hold special events, uh, Queen's Jubilee coming up, things like that. We're doing many, many things. Um, and I also hold special events as well. So I usually do events uh, as standard, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Wednesday, I do a ghost walk. Thursday nights, I do a bit of a scary cinema night and then explore around the jail. Uh, Friday and Saturday nights, I do a paranormal history tour and then my full after dark event. You can also hire the jail um, through me if you want to do your own paranormal um, exploration and, and hold your own event. And obviously, I can also be hired. And it sounds awful, but I can also be hired to run your event for you. So keep an eye on the webpage. Keep an eye on what's going on. I have a wonderful Facebook page after dark after journey bobman jail um that catalogs and and gives you uh little write-ups on everything oh my gosh there's so so much going on and of course the jail uh, after its restoration is fully open with a hotel tavern restaurant and the attraction as well wow well there you go I'll pay you a visit myself next time I'm I'm down in Cornwall, which is just the most beautiful place. Please make sure you do. Oh, I'd love to. It's been an absolute pleasure, Kirsten, talking to you, and I'm sure we'll speak to you again very soon. Lots of love, sweetie. Bye. Lots of love. Take care. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. We'll be back again next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk. That's www.paranormalpod.co.uk, where you can find options to get episodes a day early. We're so happy. We really are to see so many of you excited and keen to listen to our bonus episode. So shout out, huge thank you to these lovely, lovely people, Maddie Greenhow, please, I'm apologising to you now if I pronounce any of your names incorrectly. Nicholas Stapleton, Susan Kelly, Chelsea Malkin, uh, Wayne Exeter, Rachel Gould, great surname, James Granger, Monroe Madams. Oh, sounds like you should be on the stage. Judith Crawford, Nikki Broadman, Jodie Deneen, Heather Miles and Meg Right. Thank you all so, so much. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. So send in a question or an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to this address. It's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com or on WhatsApp at this number. Give us a call 075-999-27537. That's 075-999-27537. Yes, leave us your voice note, your story. We promise we won't bite. And of course, follow us on Instagram. Here is the address. It's at Paranormal Activity Pod. That's at Paranormal Activity Pod. Remember to stay safe, have a great week, and remember, things aren't always as they seem. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.